You are listening to the Renovation Student Ministry Podcast. For more information on RSN, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our student pastor, Gabe Pecoraro. But it is officially Christmas season. And because of that, what we're actually doing is we're taking a break from our John series and we're jumping into this series that the entire church is doing called His Name Shall Be. And if you guys were at Simpsonville or Greenville respectively on Sunday morning, you guys got to hear kind of the beginning of this series and what we are doing as an entire church is for the next four weeks, we are really, really, really digging into the names of Jesus to go along with this time called Advent. And if you look historically, what this Advent season is, is it's the four weeks before Christmas. And what Advent is, is it's this word that basically is the arrival of a long anticipated person. And as Christians, who is that person that arrives on the scene? All right, we're gonna start that question over and everybody's gonna get locked in, okay? Y'all locked in? Y'all locked? All right, who is the arrival? Who is the person that shows up? Jesus, so much better. Yes, and so what we are going to be doing as a church is we are studying these names of Jesus. And so each week on Sunday morning and for this week and next week, we're studying some names of Jesus. And this is why. Because names, they impact the way that we view people. They impact the way that we see people. For example, we might have names that, that show our relationship to people, right? So you might have you, your brother, you can call brother. I can't call your brother, brother, can I? No, because it's your brother. Your mom, you could call mom. I can't call her mom, right? Right, right, because she's your mom. We also may have names that aren't relationship-based. They might be titles for people. Like a doctor is called a doctor because in some way, shape, or form, they're a doctor, right? A physicist is called a physicist because they're a physicist. A musician is called a musician because they're a musician, right? And we might have nicknames for people. We might have the nicknames that you guys probably use for me, like tall or... um, like, like beautiful long locks, all of those things, right? The nicknames that you guys would use for me, right? So we have different names. And what do these names do? They impact the way that we see the person. When we talk about the names of Jesus, and as we learn about these names, we're gonna learn more about Jesus. We're gonna learn about his character for us, the way that he feels about us, the life that he lived for us, And it's gonna grow our understanding of who he is. And it's also, as we learn about that, gonna make our hearts bigger, gonna grow in our love towards what he's already done, towards who he is. They impact the way that we view people. And so as we get going tonight, the names that we're gonna be studying, you see it on your bulletin, is these two names, Man of Sorrows and Great High Priest. But before we jump into that, I want us to pray I want us to get our hearts right and then we're gonna get moving. So let's bow our heads. Lord, thank you for this night. Thank you for who you are. I pray in this next little bit 
that you would speak to us, that you would open our hearts, open our minds, that you would rid us of distractions so that we can focus on your word and your truth and go into small groups and leave tonight changed and challenged by who you are, by what you've done and ready to share that with our friends and families. In Jesus' name, amen. So point number one is this, is that Jesus knows. And our first passage for tonight is Isaiah chapter 53, verse three. And this is what it says. It says, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Now this book of Isaiah is a book of prophecy. It's a book telling of things to come in the future. And Isaiah chapter 53 is a messianic prophecy. Does anybody have an idea of what that might mean? Anybody got any, any ideas? Any ideas? What's up, Jade? Yeah, related to the Messiah, relating to Jesus. And Isaiah chapter 53 is in the tail end of this section that's talking about this servant. We see this beginning at about Isaiah chapter 49, going through Isaiah 55. And what do we see? We see that Isaiah's talking about this servant who's gonna come to the earth. He's gonna become a ruler of all nations. He is going to rule for all eternity, but he's gonna suffer and he's gonna be rejected and despised and eventually killed because of the evil of man, of you and I. And after that, we see that this servant, he's actually going to, to rise again and to reign for forever. The servant that it's talking about is Jesus. And at the end of this section about the servant, we see that there's two decisions, or, or one decision, two options that we as people can make. The one decision, the two options, is you can either choose to ex accept this servant or you can reject this servant. That simple. And what we see in Isaiah 53 is it's talking about Jesus and it calls him a man of sorrows. Now, if I'm going through something tough in my life, if I'm going through a hard thing and I'm upset, Ellie's still gonna call me Gabe. Ellie's still gonna refer to me as husband. Israel, if he's talking, is still gonna call me Papa, right? What we see is that Jesus, in sorrow and grief, he was so acquainted with it that literally the way that he is referred to is a man of sorrows. If we say man of sorrows, we instantaneously say Jesus. What we are saying is this, that Jesus is not somebody who is like us. If we're watching a movie and we see a sad thing happen, it's gonna make us a little sad for a second. But then after the movie's over, we're probably gonna go on and keep living our lives again, right? What we see is that Jesus is so acquainted with sorrow and with grief that he is that person in the movie walking through the hard thing. He is that person that you see about on the news who's going through the hard thing. He understands it, he gets it because he actually is the one going through it. What are the types of sorrows and griefs that we see Jesus actually walked through? Well, the first one that we see is that Jesus had to walk through some crazy, crazy, crazy messed up family dynamics. 
okay? So Jesus is a man of sorrows who can relate to our struggle in broken families, in showing up to the Christmas table and people not being there, in, in being in a family where mom and dad are divorced and you don't know how to work through that, in being with a family where there's brothers and sisters who are butting heads. Let's talk about that. Jesus, who's his mom? And who's his dad? You guys see how there's gonna be an issue here? Mary goes to Joseph and she says, honey, I'm pregnant. And Joseph says, how? And she said, it is God's baby. Do you guys see how there could be some craziness that happens? What happens when Jesus is walking and doing life as a normal 12, 13 year old and he's talking to his brothers and sisters and their dad's Joseph and his dad's God? There's obviously going to be some butting of heads between the family. We see that Jesus literally says that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. We see that Jesus' brother James literally doesn't even believe in him until after he raises from the dead. His family did not believe in the thing that he was doing. Jesus understands the sorrow of growing up in a family that's dysfunctional. He's a man of sorrows that we can bring into our dysfunctional family situation. What else do we see? We, Jesus knows what it's like to deal with death. Y'all's favorite verse in the whole Bible, John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. Do you know why Jesus wept? Because Lazarus died. Jesus understands the heartache of having someone close to you, a friend, die. What else do we see? We see that Jesus was literally forsaken by God. You see this in Matthew 27 when he was on the cross. He literally was forsaken by God. Why was Jesus forsaken by God? Because we sinned, because we messed up, which means Jesus was a man of sorrows who also felt the sorrow because we were separating ourselves from God. And Jesus knows that pain so well Jesus cared about that pain so well that he died for us. So when we talk about this man of sorrows, you need to recognize Jesus is that man and Jesus understands the situation that you are going through. He gets it and what do we need to do? Before we go to social media, before we try and drown our tears in a movie, before we try and drown our tears in a relationship where all we crave is this affection that we think this person's gonna satisfy, but it can only be satisfied in Jesus, we go to Jesus. That's what needs to happen. Recognize that Jesus knows this pain. So Jesus, his, a name of his is man of sorrows. A way that we can identify him is that. The next name that we're gonna be looking at, and we'll study it a little bit closer in the next point, but I wanna point this out in this point of Jesus knows, is great high priest. And we see in Hebrews chapter four, which is the scripture that we're gonna look at, it says that this great high priest is not unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And this word empathize in there Jesus is able to do that with us. And if we translate it a little bit, if we get into a little bit of a word study real quick, it's this word sympathize. And if you continue to translate it a little bit, because remember, the Bible's not written in English. 
The Bible was written in Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek, right? And we know if you guys have spoken Spanish or French or other languages before, that there's some words that don't translate exactly, right? You might say something, but in English, it doesn't mean exactly the same thing. Well, this word sympathize in the Greek that we see it written in is a combination of two words. It's a combination of to suffer and it's a combination of with, a preposition. And what we see is this word sympathize means to suffer with. It basically means that Jesus understands what we're going through to the extent that he actually is getting down in the dirt with us. He is suffering with us through the situation. He is not so far removed that he doesn't get it. He actually is so close that he has lived through it. Recognize that. The Jesus that you serve gets where you are at. So know that Jesus knows. The next thing you need to see is that Jesus cares. And what do I mean by that? I'll give you a little personal story. So as you guys know, I talk about this, I feel like a a good bit. I love music, I play music. Music is not only just like a hobby for us, but it's something that like is a source of income. So technically I would be a professional musician, right? So I am out playing gigs and doing this and that and the other and recording. Well, one of the things that has meant the most to me on my musical journey is when I was first trying to get into to the scene or whatever you wanna call it, was there were some guys that I really looked up to. And, and I would eventually make connections with them through social media or through knowing somebody who knew somebody else who knew them. And every single one of these dudes who I've really, really looked up to and eventually connected with, these guys are, are artists or, or musicians who are touring around the world, who are playing on records, who are playing for Disney and doing all this and that and the other. Every single one of them has taken time to encourage me has taken time to actually call people and recommend me, has taken time for if there's an artist who needs a guitar player on a record, they'll send them my name and information. And when I asked them why, every single one of them said, because I was where you were at at one point. Because I was here and somebody else believed in me And that eventually got me to where I was at. I think a lot of times we think that God, because he knows everything, just knows about our situation, but doesn't care about it. You need to recognize that Jesus, as we are about to read in Hebrews, has walked the walk, talked the walk, not only knows everything, but cares enough to do something about it. He cares enough to recognize that you are in this situation and everything is trying to rob you of your peace, but I'm gonna bring peace that surpasses all understanding into the mix. That is gonna be a free gift of mine to you. Just cling to me, cling to me. So Hebrews chapter four, verses 14 through 16 says this, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, 
But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And a little bit of backstory, we're looking at this word great high priest. Where does this word come from and what does it mean? Well, it goes back thousands of years before Jesus was born on the earth. And it starts with the high priest, the OG high priest, this guy named Aaron. And Aaron was Moses' brother. Raise your hand if you heard about Moses. So a lot of you guys know a little bit about Moses, right? He's the person who led the Israelites out of Egypt. And his brother Aaron is the first high priest from the tribe of, of Levites. And what we see is that the high priests had a lot of duties. They were kind of like the religious leader for the people of Israel. And they would do something. They would actually offer the sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. Because remember, we live in a broken world, right? And every single one of us has sinned and missed the mark. And what does sin do? It separates us from God. And so what God requires of us because of our sin, because of this separation, is some sort of sacrifice. And before Jesus came, that sacrifice was, was through the blood of animals. And so this high priest would offer this sacrifice. And there was this one day, the 10th day of the seventh month, called the Day of Atonement. And the high priest would go into the temple and he would go into this place called the Holy of Holies behind this veil. And in this place was where God's presence lived in the Old Testament. And what would happen? The priest would have to be pure. He'd have to be clean. There'd need to be nothing wrong when he entered into this place or else, and this is a literal fact, the priest would fall down dead as soon as he entered into the presence of God. So these priests would be tied up with a rope. They'd have a bell or something to make sound so that when they fell, if they did fall, that they could pull them out. And what happened? These priests would offer blood and sacrifice at the throne, the mercy seat, where God's presence sat. And what do we see? We see Jesus, when he lived a perfect life and he died, when his blood was spilled out for us on the cross, he was the perfect sacrifice to bridge this gap between the, the gap of sin, us, and God. Jesus bridged that gap. And so Jesus is now this great high priest who's ascended to the right hand of God who sits there on the throne. And what do we see? We see that Jesus cares enough to live a life and to die on our behalf. We see that Jesus cares enough to be forsaken by his father for us. And then, what do we see? He is elevated to the highest position. So what we need to recognize is that Jesus knows and Jesus cares. And if you don't think Jesus cares, go read your Bible and look at the life that Jesus lived for you. So Jesus is our great high priest. And my challenge to all of us is this, is to come to Jesus. Before you go to anything else, go to Jesus. Come to Jesus. And I think a lot of times we, don't, we, we think that we come to Jesus, but we don't put our money where our mouth is. What I mean by that 
is a lot of times we say, no, I pray about stuff. And really the only time that you ever pray is when you got something really bad happening. When mom and dad will not stop fighting and you think that this is gonna be really, really bad news, that's when I go to Jesus. Or when I have the math test that I'm literally about to make an F on, I didn't put any time to study for it in. I'm gonna make the F, but I'm gonna throw this Hail Mary prayer up to God and say, God, help me rescue me from this F or mom's gonna kill me, right? That's when we go to Jesus. We don't go to Jesus when I'm just walking between third and fourth period and my teacher made me mad and I'm probably about to blow up on my friend, but I'm just gonna keep going. We don't think to go to Jesus. We don't think to go to Jesus when everything is going good. We don't think to go to Jesus when I'm about to enter into the Thanksgiving dinner and this family member's mad at this family member and I'm just gonna probably just sit there and not try and help and be a light in the room. I'm not gonna go to Jesus then, why? because I don't think about it, because I got this, everything's good. And my challenge to myself and my challenge to you guys is this. Why don't we go to Jesus in our regular day-to-day actions and interactions with people? Let's go to Jesus in between third and fourth period. Let's go to Jesus in the middle of fourth period. Shoot, let's go to Jesus in between fourth and fifth period because as people, we are desperate for him. And we don't just need him every third month on a Tuesday when things are about to blow up. We need him every minute, every second. Go to Jesus. And what this passage tells us in verse 16 is let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What do we see? Jesus is our great high priest, that we can go to him and we don't have to worry about falling out dead like what the old priests in the Old Testament had to worry about. We don't have to worry about approaching the king's throne and being thrown out. We don't have to worry about going to God and being judged or being condemned. What does it say we find when we go to his throne? We find grace and we find mercy. And mercy is getting what we don't deserve, or, or, or not getting what we do deserve. So we deserve death, Jesus paid for that. And grace is getting what we don't deserve. That's what we find when we go to this throne. And so what does it mean to approach God's throne, to approach the throne of grace with confidence? What does that look like? That means that you do it constantly. That means that it's every, all the time. You don't just do it on the third Tuesday. You do it daily. You do it hourly. You are going there constantly. You do it without reservation. Don't think that the issue is too small to go to the throne of grace with. Don't think that the issue is too big. I should have gone when it was level one and now it's level 10. I, we were out and we were talking and they said this and I should have asked God for some patience when they said this, but then I said something back that was even sassier and then they said something back and then I punched them in the face and then they punched me back in the face and now we're on an all out war on social media and it's level 15 now, still go. Go without reservation. Go without fancy words. Don't try and minimize your sin struggle with pornography by saying, God, I have this tiny issue of lust. No, tell God where you were at. Don't go with fancy words. This is who I am, 
and recognize that when you go to this throne, what is it that we receive? We receive grace and mercy, but also recognize that this great high priest, Jesus, who understands where we're at, did not sin. And so in going to this throne, not only are we gonna be welcomed with open arms, but we are gonna be called higher. So go without fancy words. Be real, be you. God's not looking for me to act like Jeffrey or Jeffrey to act like me. God made me, me for a reason. Go with confidence knowing that Jesus actually commands us to go, thro- go, go boldly to the throne of grace. Be persistent. If that family member has been sick and they're still sick, keep bringing it up. If that friend situation is still messed up, keep bringing it up. If you're still rubbing up and having a rough time with your parents, keep bringing it up. If you still don't know how to be a light to that friend, keep bringing it up. Be persistent. I promise you, Jesus isn't tired of hearing from you. Be persistent. So that's what going confidently looks like. It looks like being consistent. It looks like going without reservation. Don't wait until it's blown up. Go when it's a little thing. It looks like going without fancy words. Tell them where you're at for real. Be you with confidence and persistence. And here's some practical ways that you can go to Jesus, that you can go to this throne of grace. First is this. Many of you guys in this room have a smartphone, have a tablet, have a computer, whatever, right? One way that you can do it is you can open up your phone and you can literally go to your notes app and you can write out prayer requests, things that you're dealing with, things that are on your heart, things that are on your mind. Screenshot that sucker and make it your lock screen. So now, instead of seeing these things or this picture with friends or this pretty picture that I caught off of the internet anyways, I now see a thing that I can take to God throughout the day and I can add to it, I can subtract from it. Another way that you could do it is maybe you have sticky notes. You love sticky notes. You got your little affirmation statements. I am beautiful. I am blessed. I am strong. I am have beautiful locks. I'm super tall, right? All of those things. No, I'm gonna put some things that I need to go to God in prayer about. I'm gonna put the fact that my family keeps fighting. I'm gonna put the fact that I'm really, really nervous about trying to make this sports team and it's affecting everything else that I'm trying to do throughout the day. Put that on on a bathroom mirror. Put that in your bedroom wall. Put that in your car. Put those, what's that? Put it on your face? (laughs) Well, there you go. Put it on your face and look at it in the mirror, right? Put that sticky note up. Here's another thing. When you guys go into your small groups and you guys take prayer requests, write those prayer requests down in a notebook and then go to God about those things throughout the week. And last but not least, I think this has been a practice that has been very helpful in my life when I have actually done it. Is try and make triggers throughout your day that kind of force you to think about praying at that time. So maybe you make this habit of you have this nifty little thing on your phone that when you arrive at a location, it can send you a reminder. So maybe every day when you get home from school, you get a reminder on your phone to talk to God. Or maybe you put a little reminder in your top drawer of your dresser when you're pulling out your socks every morning, you got a sticky note there 
that says, go to God. Or maybe right before your fourth period is where you sit next to the person that annoys you the most in the whole world. You figure out some sort of trigger when you're leaving your third period and you're walking down the hallway to get you to just go to God and ask for self-control and ask for patience and help me to love my neighbor as myself. So my challenge to you guys as you go into small groups is this. One, figure out what's holding you back from approaching the throne of grace. Because Jesus knows where you're at. Jesus understands where you're at. Jesus cares enough to die for you. And Jesus tells us to go to this throne boldly and confidently. And two, what's a practical habit that you can put in your life to help you to better go to that throne more often? All right, you guys are dismissed. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Student Ministry Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building His kingdom at the renovation.church.